Hey, Sherpa Network, ready to get geeky? Today, we bring in the co-founders of Cryptograph. We discuss their new auction system on the blockchain. We get into price discovery mechanics, which are important for domain names in particular. And we also talk about how this new technology may or could be applied to domain name auctions. It is a super interesting conversation. Hope you enjoy the show. Media Options is the industry-leading domain broker specializing in domain acquisitions, high-value domain sales, and domain name consultation. As pioneers and thought leaders on the subject of the domain aftermarket and domain name value, plus through their clear domain acquisition service, Media Options offers startups and established corporations an unparalleled scope of high-value domain options, providing access to domain names and curation technologies not available elsewhere. Media Options believes in the power of a great domain name and is dedicated to helping you obtain yours. Call or email today to put a domain to work for you. FD was built by domain investors to increase your inquiries, sales, and profit. Forget spreadsheets and archived emails. Manage your entire investment portfolio in one place using a secure and completely confidential platform. Learn more at FT.com. That's E-F-T-Y. FT.com. Hey, Sherpa Network. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Tess Diaz, executive producer of DomainSherpa.com, and today we're bringing in some specialists from the startup Cryptograph to discuss the blockchain, cryptography, and where it intersects with domains. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. We have Hugo McDonough, a co-founder, uh, joining us from London, England, yes? Yep, that's the place. Wonderful, thank you for being here. And Edouard Bessir, uh, also in London or no? Yes, yes, good to be here. Wonderful, and uh, Andrew Rosner, not only uh, the CEO of Media Options uh, with the domain name background and expertise, but also an investor in Cryptograph, correct? Correct. Cool. Proud uh, investor, I might add. Say that again? <laughs> Proud investor, I might add. Very nice. Um, well, let's, I want to hear how you came to invest in the company, but first, um, let's hear a little bit about the founding of the company. You founded it in 2018, is that right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the founding story is, uh, is uh, it's, 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 it's an interesting journey for sure. I mean, I, I first met Ed and um, our other third co-founder, Guillaume, who's the kind of pure tech guy, uh, back in, when was that now? 2015, I would say? Yes. 20, yeah, 2015. And I'm, so I met Ed at Imperial College Business School during a, a master's that we were both on that was kind of focusing in early stage business and technology. And straight out of uni, we decided we were going to start a company, the three of us. And we started a business in real estate technology that um, was building virtual reality uh, experiences for property developers who you know, needed to sell their homes more effectively when their holes in the ground, right? Um, but, uh, that was back in, I think late 2015 when we just graduated from, from Imperial college and we were VR, we were, we were too early. VR was still like, we were playing around with the Oculus Rift development kit one. It didn't like go off the racks as, as fast as we thought it would. So we were basically too early with that business. There was no COVID. Right. Right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> COVID would have been convenient at that time. Would have been convenient. Totally. Definitely. 
and then um, we uh, we continue to experiment in the real estate technology space, space with other like playing around with data and matchmaking engines for real estate agents with with homeowners, and we're doing a lot of experimentation there. And all the while, uh, my older brother actually, a guy called George McDonough, um, had founded a company called KR1, which is a big sort of publicly listed investment fund that invests in early stage blockchain technology companies. And um, so he'd been in the blockchain space for, for a very long time, and he was sort of building his, his, his business and his world in there. And Edouard, myself, and Guillaume decided to meet with George um, back in early 2018, um, probably kind of, uh, was it February, I'd say, Ed? And um, we, uh, we wanted to meet with him because we wanted to discuss uh, some interesting ideas and opportunities that we were seeing happening in the burgeoning blockchain space. At this stage, Ethereum was still very, very young, and we were, we were looking into you know, the, the power of smart contracts and, and this whole system. And then um, we were sitting down with George, and um, we were discussing all of these different potential you know, ideas and solutions. And then in this, in this bar in London called, called Quo Vardis, about you know, a couple of whiskey sours later, George sort of put forward the seed of the idea, which was, well, now we can create digital scarcity on the internet using this technology. Um, why don't we bring things that are traditionally collected in the physical world into the digital, like autographs? And we were like, oh, that's an interesting idea. Like, you know, scarce collectible autographs. That's a cool, that's a cool concept. And then, you know, when you put my, mine, uh, Edwards and Guillaume's brains and Geordie's in the same room, things begin to get a little bit crazy. And um, uh, from the seed of that kind of initial idea, we left the, the bar six, seven hours later, this was after many more whiskey sours, <laughs> and at about three or four a.m. in the morning, sort of me, Edward, and Guillaume were looking at each other and we were like, you know, we, we've got to do this. This is, this is a great idea. This is something that we need to pursue. And at the time we had another project that had had a lot of development and was, was almost going to launch basically. But we were like, this is really good. Let's work on it for a little bit of time. A week turned into two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And we took that initial seed of the autograph idea and out of that grew our price discovery system, grew our bigger vision of actually any kind of media can be represented in this way. And the whole recipe that we have with the philanthropy angle, all of that sort of grew out of that seed. And a couple of months later, we'd written our white paper. A couple of months after that, we raised our seed round. And yeah, the rest was kind of history, basically. Let, 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 let's, you mentioned the price discovery engine and that yeah. was you know, ultimately what drew me into cryptograph, what got me most intrigued by what it is you guys are doing. Um, talk about that a little bit. I'll let, I'll let Ed, I'll let Ed uh, jump in there. He's, uh, he's our price discovery guru. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just for everybody's, you know, understanding. So price discovery, as we've talked about many times here on Domain Sherpa, um, is about taking an asset which, you know, probably doesn't offer much liquidity and therefore uh, price is not easy to establish. And uh, you know, in the case of domain names, that, that is the case. Price discovery in the domain market is very difficult because um, these domains aren't liquid. Timing is everything, right? So uh, a domain could be worth $5 million to the right buyer on the right day, um, but the day before that, it might be worth $25,000. So establishing what is this domain worth is, is a very difficult uh, uh, thing to do. And it's something I spend a lot of time trying to think about uh, because I think it's the biggest problem in the domain industry. I think it's the, the single biggest hurdle to domain names becoming a mainstream investable asset class. And so um, 
price discovery is, you know, the, the, the pursuit of, uh, 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 you know, a bilateral uh, agreement on price where you've got a buyer and a seller and, uh, you know, in an illiquid market. Is that a fair definition? Yeah, absolutely. Like we, when basically we, we started with this idea of, oh, let's stay, let, let's get, let's get medias, let's get autographs, let, let's get something that's unique. And I was going first as like art slash mobilia, and then grew out of that. And mm -hmm. these are unique assets. So asset, and any asset that is unique or that is only sold uh, very rarely, whatever it's an mm -hmm. asset that's a few of them exist or several of them exist are identical. Mm -hmm. cannot be priced uh, through a market efficiently. There's no supply and demand balance, absolutely, right? So unlike a commodity, uh, the pricing these unique assets or the assets that are very illiquid has been, a, has been a, an issue for you know, There's a strange of years. Yeah, sound like when you parents. speak. I'm not sure what that so we Sorry. got the feedback issue resolved. Fabulous. Uh, Edward, you were just about to uh, delve a little bit from your mathematical background into the price discovery system. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so they were saying um, for us, the, the, the challenge is pricing assets that are, that are unique or that are sold very rarely because there's no efficient supply and demand balance, like for a commodity like you know, oil or aluminum. And so the, the system that's been used for, for hundreds of years now is the auction. And of course, there are many different variations of, of, of the auction system. And it's basically about we have one uh, seller and several buyers, and there are variants if, uh, to sell several items. But the, the auction is especially well suited for uh, these assets that are unpriceable uh, or that, that can't efficiently be, be matched for supply and demand. And so that's where we uh, started and that, because we, we were looking at many different ways that these assets were being sold and traded because what's very interesting with blockchain is that it brings new mechanics and new business models. Not simply, it's not just a technology in terms of adding new features. You can actually build new business models and incentivize stakeholders in a new way. And what we saw, for example, at the time when we started a, a cryptograph, was um, unique assets being sold with a specific code where you can only resell it for 20% more than you bought it, for example. And these are things that, you, you, that are new. People never thought of, I think, not that we saw, like putting a pricing that goes up or that goes down or that needs to follow specific rules. Or, and so we looked at this and we went uh, down the rabbit hole of what can we do, what kind of new system we can build. Is there a better way to do an auction on, on, on the blockchain? And at the same time, uh, the blockchain brings new uh, challenges in running auctions. And one of them, and we'll discuss that later uh, because they, uh, right now it's a very important debate in the, in the blockchain space, especially for the Ethereum blockchain, is the gas prices. Uh, and one of the reasons that we went on to, this, to, to design our price discovery system was also to mitigate gas prices, which are a price that every person that uh, wants to interact with the blockchain must pay, like a transaction price. And so for us, you know, if you want to post, if you want yeah. to post a transaction to the blockchain, to the to the Ethereum blockchain, uh, you pay a gas price. And as demand for posting 
or interacting with that blockchain uh, increases, gas prices go up. And as demand decreases, gas prices go down. It's a, it's a function of, of, it's a security function, really, but it also an incentive function for the miners. Yes. Just wanted to sort of clarify, because not all of our audience will be familiar. Yeah, and so one of the possibilities of our auction system that we ended up designing was that when you place a bid and you get outbid during an auction, you get more money than you, than you bid, you get more money back than what you started with. And so this was supposed to offset and even go over uh, reimbursing the user for that, for, for that transaction uh, fee, and on the, which was one side of it. And the second side is that we could bring a, we could incentivize bidders to participate when uh, in auctions that uh, traditionally had low liquidity. And that's where it's quite interesting. And that goes back to the, to the domain name uh, kind of market because each domain name is a unique asset the same way that uh, what we started with is unique uh, memorabilia are. Yes. What, tell me, I, I want to so, you know, at the end of the day, Cryptograph, uh, uh, the technology behind Cryptograph is a, uh, an entirely new incentivized auction system, right? Fair enough. Yeah. So, what let's talk a little bit about like the original or you know traditional auction and as you said there's many different dutch auctions you know uh 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 uh, uh, uh god i can't even think of the names um English auctions victory auctions, auctions, auctions exactly so lots of different types of auctions yeah. um and you know different ones are are, are well suited for different circumstances you know, things that have a, 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 you know, a time expiration, like a hotel room or a flight, you know, are well suited to a reverse auction or a Dutch auction, as, as it's called. Um, you know, different, different circumstances uh, uh, are well suited for different types of auctions. Mm -hmm. Why, what is, you know, uh, you know, obviously this is a rhetorical question, I know the answer, but explain why, uh, the incentives baked into the cryptograph auction system um, are better for the for, for, for the types of unique assets that you want to sell. Okay, so in a traditional English auction, which is the one that uh, most people know, uh, that if you go at Christie's or Sotheby's to buy something, or on eBay uh, uh, for the not for all of them on eBay, if you don't place your your business bent, simply that. You, the bid goes up and you place your bid and uh, at the end of the, uh, when you're the last bidder left to place and no one outbids you, you win. And in that system, as a bidder, uh, I'm going to keep bidding up until I reach uh, the amount I am willing to pay for the item, right? And for example, the maximum, if I the maximum, the maximum, the maximum, the maximum to pay, right? So if I'm if I want to buy uh, something uh, at auction and I'm against you, Andrew, and you want to, uh, and in my mind this is worth 100, and in your mind it's worth 150. As soon as the bidding gets to 101, I'm out because yeah. for me this is worth 100. And uh, basically, in, in the way we looked at this is, if someone was willing to pay 150 for this and we didn't get to that price and uh, but if uh, someone else was against uh, someone else wanted to pay 140 was there the price would have gone to 141 
And so the idea was how do we uh, build a system that keeps the fundamental uh, principle of the auction, which is uh, of a transaction, which is I'm willing to buy the item for X and the seller is willing to sell it to me for X. The transaction happens. Uh, and at the same time, try to reach closer to that 150 you're willing to, to pay in our, in our example, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and if, and if we do that, if someone can, if someone came and put 140, uh, you will pay 145, 142 for it. And you will still be happy because you paid a price you were willing to pay and the value mm -hmm. you were willing to pay for it. Right? So the idea was, how can we make a system that, uh, pushes me, the person that right now I think is only worth 100, to keep bidding after 100 if I think that maybe I don't have enough money to spend, I, I can't spend much more on this, but I want to push the next, the, the next bidder to the true market value of these assets. So that was kind of the, how, the, how we looked at this at the beginning, which was changing the dominant strategy of the auction into mm -hmm. one where I will keep bidding if I think the item is worth more or, and it's a, it's a mix, or if the expected value I get from my bid is, posi is positive compared to the, the, the possibility that someone else is gonna, is gonna outbid me. And this, just, just then the last one on this, uh, the other side of this, more, not just on the price uh, point of pushing people to bid higher, is even just the idea of getting more bidders to partake in an auction. Mm -hmm. Because this, as you said, the liquidity part is very important here is that if only two people partake in an auction or five people take part or 10 people, you're going to have a very different price discovery that's happening. Mm -hmm. And if more people are competing and you get to a different valuation, like if they are, and so the idea is how do we incentivize people to even just get onto the auction? And there are a few examples in history for like corporate mergers or things like this where some companies are paid just to get into the bidding because there are very few bids. So there are many, there are situations already that have, that exist where there are, where people are just given handouts to get into biddings. Mm -hmm. uh, because, and so what uh, we need I mean, to do this, this, right? this happens all the time, right? I mean, so, so I, I've been stalking horse bidder in, in a lot of different auctions and I say, look, this is what I'm willing to bid. And sometimes they'll put that full amount as the first bid. Sometimes they'll put some percentage of that as the first bid, knowing that then I will be willing to participate. And if I win the auction, uh, I get, uh, uh, sorry, if I do not win the auction, I get a percentage of the sale. And if I uh, win the auction, then I have a discounted price. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it, I think the important part of, of, of what you're saying um, what it all comes down to is that you guys have figured out a way to change the incentive structure. And once you change the incentive structure, you change the strategy. And so um, the way that I sort of think about it, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but the way that I sort of think about it is almost like, um, you know, an options trader, right? So uh, if somebody is an options trader, generally speaking, they're not really interested in buying a stock to hold it long term. They're just interested in the market action. They're more interested in the price action. And so um, they know that by participating in that, they can earn money, a premium. So, um, you know, you, 
uh, let's just say that, uh, let, 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 you know, for now, you guys are auctioning off collectible art. Um, and uh, uh, I imagine that will expand in the future. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly am, am hoping to introduce your technology uh, for domains. Um, and so let's just, you know, uh, uh, hypothetically talk about a domain name. Um, and so if I take, you know, a, a, any domain name, xyz.com, and we, uh, I'm going to put that on an auction. There might be, you know, let's say 50 people uh, in the domain market who say, oh, I, I, you know, realistically, that say, I, I want to like really take a stab at buying xyz.com. And each one's going to have a different sort of target price, a max price. Um, but those people, and this is probably not a great example because 50 in the, in, in, in the context of the domains is not a bad number of bidders. Um, but if you had one that was, you know, there was two bidders. Um, as there was just a couple of days ago, I bought uh, naturopathy.com for, for $25,000. There's only really two bidders. Um, and so I, I would have paid more. Uh, but because there was nobody else there, uh, that's what it sold for. And if we had 100 people, then you can, at the end of that auction, you'd be able to say with a relative degree of certainty that we discovered the price because you took a large enough sample size who were in, you know, incentivized to, uh, 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 for whatever reason, to participate in that auction. And you know, whoever was the top bidder, clearly that was the highest price. And um, so the larger the sample size, the better and more accurate your price discovery is going to be. I think that that fundamentally is, is a really important thing to understand. The larger the pool of participants in any auction, the, the closer you're going to get to the actual price, the actual value. Um, and so then I guess if you back up and think about, all right, so how do we, how do we increase the sample size of interested parties participating in an auction? Um, you know, and there's going to be today, there's only one, let's say profile of a bidder. And that is somebody who really wants to buy that domain and own it for life or own it until they sell it for a higher price. Right. Um, but they, they, they legitimately want to buy that domain. There's absolutely zero incentive to participate in an auction unless you believe you're going to win that name and want to win that name. Okay. Uh, or art or whatever it might be. And what you've done is created a system that inherently incentivizes the options trader to come in and say, well, I've got an idea what I think that's worth and I don't necessarily want to own it, but I know I can bid in this range. And I know that my downside is relatively limited. Uh, the, the, the risk profile is relatively limited because there's always going to be a bidder behind me. And secondly, because I have some indication of what I think the, 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 this thing is going to go for. And so as long as I don't go higher than uh, that, uh, I will make money by simply participating in the auction by being one of the participants in that sample of interested parties. And so that's what you've done is you've created this incentive where each person who places a bid is rewarded 
for that bid if somebody outbids them. Yeah. So if I bid 10, test bids 15, I'm going to get a percentage of that outbid. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about that because that for me is the most exciting thing. And in the, in the context of domain names, that is, 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 is the game changer is that that incremental incentive is, is uh, as small as it may be is game changing. And, and I think people will understand after, after you guys explain it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I can, I can, I can touch a little bit more. And I mean, I think um, one interesting thing to pick up on there is, is, is you're right. When you, when you are being rewarded essentially in real time, trustlessly and decentralized via the system we built on chain. Um, that's a very, sorry, very sorry, sorry, not to, not to go off. Sorry. Touch on that for a second, because that's also right. super important. Yeah. It's super, super important. So like when you consider auction systems today, right or the English auction in Christie's or Sotheby's, you're talking about a centralized system. You're talking about people in a room and an auction house, and they're saying who's bidding what at what time, and they decide at the end, okay, it's gone to this person, and we're gonna grant you the assets, and you're gonna give us the money, and it's, it's, it's a real-time physical process that's, that's not automated by any means, and um, uh, has a lot of pitfalls in it as well. There are risks associated with, am I gonna default on my payment? Am I gonna do it, or, you know, like, uh, uh, am I going to run away at the last minute? You know. Also, bidding fraud, right? Like, so, so, right. so in the domain industry, bidding fraud is a major subject, very controversial, uh, and um, uh, this solves that, right? So now you're taking what was previously, you know, a, you know, fraudulent, right? Like somebody who wasn't a a a, a bona fide intended buyer. Yeah. Uh, uh, let, let's take shill bidding for example. Yeah. You're taking somebody who was not a bona fide intended buyer participating in an auction with, you know, the intent of driving up the price, but not buying the domain. And, uh, but that's being done in a, a, you know, nefarious way. Yeah. And what you guys done is, 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 on this subject is taken that and turned it on its head. You've legitimized it, rewarded that and, get into the price discovery mechanism totally totally so i mean you know in our system right like in our auction which is secured on the ethereum blockchain within a smart contract right that you can't change you can't corrupt you can't manipulate uh i, I there are two outcomes in an auction i either win the asset or i make money Th mm -hmm. those are the only two outcomes here and that's very very exciting as a, as a price discovery system if and you so, are a bit you, you, you. There, those are the two outcomes if you are if you're a bidder. participant in e that auction. Indeed, mm -hmm. indeed. Yeah. You can't just sadly turn up and look at it on your computer screen and make money. You, you do no. need to participate in bidding. Yeah. Um, that would be quite, a, quite an invention. Um, Can you say oh, oh, something yeah. mathematical about how it works? If everyone is incentivized to bid, I would think from my naive, non-mathematical background that that alone would drive the price perhaps past a valid um, valuation or that because everyone is so incentivized, it goes too far up beyond what someone say intended to bid or wanted as their maximum bid. Is there a no, psychology every, or a mathematics behind that? Well, I, 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 I can't answer that. <laughs> but, but, but psychologically or, or let's say pragmatically, 
every person who bids, because these are, these are no reserve, right? This is not a reserve auction. There's no incentive to push a price up just over yeah. the reserve so that it, it, these are no reserve auctions. This is a, 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 what you call an absolute auction, right? So um, every auction will end with a sale, uh, assuming that you have at least one bidder. And um, the reason it will never go uh, above the price is because with every bid, you run the risk, uh, if you want to call it a risk, of winning, sure. right? So, so you would, you would, you have a di you're disincentivized from overbidding, and you're incentivized to bid as accurately uh, and as closely to you your max bid as you can. Because yeah. if you know, this is where Edward can get it to the math because this goes over my head. But like, the bigger somebody outbids you, the more the reward. Yeah, so exactly. So the incentive goes further than just the incentive to bid, right? So, and, and, and also to, to add to, to what you said, uh, Tess, uh, the fundamentals of if I place, if I want to buy, if I'm willing to buy this item for X, like I bid X and I win, I have paid X, right? So prepaid, prepaid. Prepaid, yeah. If when, say, when, when you bid, at the time you bid, the amount you're bidding is yeah. already locked up on the blockchain. So yes. there is no fraudulent bidding. It's impossible. Yep. Yeah, fraudulent yeah. bidding is impossible. There's mm. no question and, about it. I mean, that's huge. So I think the piece that I was missing is the more you are outbid, the greater your reward is. Yeah. So, so basically, because this is all based in, on math, there is a formula that follows how much people uh, would uh, earn as an incentive if they are outbid. And the moment you, when you place your bid, you already know exactly what your return will be if you are outbid. So there's a, very, there's a formula and there's a rule to it, right? Because incentivizing bidders in real life can be done you know, by back channeling or uh, uh, this is mathematical and it's fully transparent. So everyone can Programmatic. see. Programmatic. Everyone can see, right? If the next bidder bids five and a half, they will get exactly this amount back if they outbid. And so what the, 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 the calculation, the formula does as well, is that the more your bid is an increase compared to the standing bid, to the current bid, the more you will get back as a percentage when you, when you outbid. So imagine if, for example, the return was uh, a fixed 2%. So the more you bid, of course, the more, the more you get. Two okay. percent. I'm saying if ever, if ever it was fixed, for us, it's not even fixed. For us, it, it, the percentage itself increases. But even if the percentage is fixed, if you have, if you have a 10% return, right? We put 10, you put 10, and if you get outbid, that means you get back 11 because you can get back one more. Mm -hmm. But what we've done is that uh, when you bid 10, this percentage is not the same if the previous bid was two or if the previous bid was five. So yes. Depending on how much more you increase your bid, the more percentage you get back when you are then outbid, right? Okay. And so what that does that, that is that it incentivizes people to bid closer to their valuation, to what they think the item is worth faster, because the higher you bid, the also the higher you, the more return you can make. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen this on our, on our, on our, uh, on our platform, on Cryptograph, for example, uh, when we sold, when we sold a, a, a cryptograph and it got to uh, several thousands of dollars in two bits, right? 
we sold uh, the 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 the, the, first, the first the first thing that we sold the first crypto that we sold sold for close to twenty thousand dollars in only twelve bids I think thirteen yeah. bids because they and they went they went up very fast because it's in your interest to not bid very little and this was this is one of the one of the very interesting behaviors that we see with the auction system is that so you can get much faster to the to the final bid exactly so. So not only is it incentivizing people to bid as close to their max value as possible, because the reward if they're outbid is then greater, but it also encourages people to bid as fast and as soon as possible. Because if I come in you know, at the last minute, like, so in almost every auction system today, manual or automatic, uh, the incentive is to come in at the very last second and try to snipe your bid. And there's mechanisms that, you know, auction extensions, there's all kinds of mechanisms they use to try and, you know, remediate that, but it's, it, it, it's not really effective. You're still incentivized to be the last bidder. And in this system, you're incentivized to get, you're incentivized to be the first bidder, right? Uh, you want to be the, 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 you want to be as early as possible and you want to be as high as possible. And so ultimately, it's like, at least from in my mind, it's the perfect incentive system for an auction because you're trying to get people, you're trying to get these bidders to achieve the same outcome as the seller. And that's why it makes a perfect price discovery because people are going to bid as soon as possible and as high as possible. Yeah, Sorry. I, I, I and frankly, in that kind of arrangement, it's more efficient. It's less time consuming, especially for an asset like domain names where it is just incredibly time consuming, both to look at the volume, to sort through, but then to keep up with each auction. So you're basically saying each auction, you can just bid once, figure out what you want and move on. Or if you want to monitor it and change your mind, you can, um, mm -hmm. but it sounds much more efficient. Yeah, I mean, the, the dominant game theory here in our system is, let's say you think the price is 100 or the world thinks the price is 100, whatever, you know, whatever. If I can get my 99 bid in and I can be the first bid and then it goes for 100 at the end, I've nailed it. You know, I, I've Boom. totally nailed it. And, yeah. and, and as that being the dominant strategy and the dominant game theory, if you're only maximizing for incentives, if you, if you don't care about actually winning the asset, that's yeah. a very... If you're that option trader, if you're the exactly. trader, if you're the option trader, you just want to come in, uh, you know, and, and I don't want to like exaggerate, but in, it, it, you know, I feel like what you've created is an entirely new career, right? In the same way that, that, that you know, the options trader became a new career in the stock market from these derivatives, yeah. uh, you know, you've created an entirely new career. And I think that is what's going to resonate with some of these people in our audience is that you can now become a price discovery professional where you may not want to be the guy that owns all these names, but you can participate in achieving price discovery and earn real income by doing so, just yeah. by participating in these auctions. Sometimes you're gonna win, but it, you know, as you master this, and, and again, you know, if you win an auction where there's other people participating, uh, that, that's not a bad thing. Now no, you, you own something that other people want. Exactly, exactly. And there's gonna yeah. be a secondary market out there for you to be able to, to sell exactly. it on as and when you're ready to do so. Just like I, I, I buy a call option and, you know, uh, or, or let's say I sell a call option because that's in essence what, what, what 
uh, a bidder is. They're selling a, a call option. Um, so uh, if I sell a call option, usually speaking, it's not because I actually want to own the stock. I want to earn the premium by selling the insurance policy to the guy that wants the option to own that stock if the price gets to a certain level, right? Yeah. And so by placing a bid, it's like buying an option uh, or selling an option. Yeah, uh, I, would, I, would, I would add as well that in more than also, not just the job of the trader that would partake in this auction, there's going to be a very interesting uh, kind of job as to what is the best setup for uh, our GBM auction, because our GBM auction has a formula. It has several variables. What percentage return do you offer to bidders? Uh, do you, what time do you put for the auction? What extension do you put at the end of the auction, right? Whereas our system, you can decide that uh, you only make 1% return and, or you can do 10% return or 20% return. And so mm -hmm. there's gonna be a lot of discovery on what is the best way to, as a seller, as the best way to use this system, and they're going to be for people that are going to be experts in what is the best way based on what the current market is, what the current number of bidder is. This is the percentage that I need to try and, and, and hit. So on the, definitely on the bidder side, there's going to be maybe some work. There's also going to be some work on the sell side to figure out based totally. on the asset and based on the market, what is the most efficient way. So two things. One is, is a GBM auction is this, the name of the auction technology that they've built. Uh, just wanted to clarify that. Um, and then secondly, is um, uh, what's cool about what you're talking about on, on the sell side um, is that you get to play around with how you want to incentivize the market, right? So if you're a seller, it's like, you know, I know I've got something that's relatively liquid. I'm only going to put out a 2% incentive. That 2% is split between all the different bidders in varying ratios based on, you know, all the stuff we just talked about. If you've got something that you think requires more, let's say, marketing, more incentive, you can say, well, I, I'm going to put out, you know, or maybe your margin is already high, or maybe what, you know, you want to achieve real true price discovery. You want to maximize competition. Then uh, you put out a 20% incentive. And now those bidders, if your thing sells for, you know, $100,000, uh, $20,000 is going to be split among the bidders. And the guy, if, let's just going back to the, the theoretical from before, if it's a $100,000 end sale price and you were the first bidder and you bid $99,000, you just made $19,900 and you didn't win the auction, you weren't the seller, you weren't the platform, you just bid, all you were was a bidder. You bid in the auction. You happen to be the first bidder. You knew it was worth 100 grand. You got, you bid 99, so you're just under what the, the actual real price was. And so now that $20,000 incentive is going to go to you. Well, it, it's going to be split among you and, you know, whoever other, the other bidders were. But if you bid 99,000, only one other bidder came in and they bid 100, you just made $19,900 just for placing a bid. That's it. And that is what we're talking about. That's why this is revolutionary. Uh, and uh, yeah, for me, you know, as somebody who is really just obsessed with price discovery in, in, in all markets, but obviously particularly in domains, um, 
I mean, when you guys start telling me about this, I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, just get your head spinning. Your it, head was, it was a fun chat. It's like, it was a fun chat for sure. Ah, yeah. And it's, it is, you know, neat to see and hear this new mechanics um, make sense. Um, so how, how many people are participating right now? Where do you get your sellers? Where do you get your buyers? What are the numbers like? Sure. So obviously we, we started as we're built entirely on the Ethereum chain um, in order to participate in our cryptograph auctions currently, which is where our first application of this price discovery is currently being rolled out. Um, you need to have the Ethereum cryptocurrency to be able to participate. So that already is already a smaller portion of, of the world. And okay. for those that don't have it, there is a hurdle there to get it. It's not, it's not as simple as using your PayPal yet. You do still need to go and find Ether. But, How many um, to a theater near you? Yeah, exactly. Totally. Um, and indeed, the next iteration of our platform will make that whole thing a lot easier for people because it is a big hurdle for the whole decentralized application world at the moment that you know there is this friction but, to, to be to be fair your target audience for the items which you are selling which are you know crypto graphs you know basically digital, digital art yeah. digital art that is uh uh inherently and provably scarce yeah um it cannot be replicated it cannot be you know uh distributed or you know there's nothing it's, it's absolutely scarce. Um, uh, the people that are going to be interested in, in, in paying a premium for those types of items are going to, generally speaking, be people that are, uh, you know, currently using uh, uh, cryptocurrencies and, totally. and, and likely Ethereum. Totally. I mean, yeah, the early, the early adopters of this space are those that already understand the concept of digital scarcity, which is, yes. which is a concept that is not... <laughs> It's not second nature. It, it, it's an abstraction no. that is that, that takes some some understanding. And that but it actually, is going to roll. It is going to roll over the world like a tsunami over the next. It decade. is. It is indeed. Uh, I think we're definitely all agreed on that. Um, and so, uh, in our case with our cryptographs, we've been seeing, you know, which are essentially what are called NFTs, which stand for non fungible tokens, which is basically a digital asset or you know a token that is on the Ethereum blockchain that can't be mutually exchanged for another. It's not fungible. It's, it's a unique representation of a unique asset. Mm -hmm. and, fungible um, means, fungible is like a, a, a US like dollar. A dollar. An, actual, an actual dollar note is a fungible item. You can yeah. exchange one dollar note for another dollar note. Yes, There's no dollar. gain, no loss. It's, it's, they're identical. There's no differentiation other than maybe a serial number, which makes yeah. it just very slightly uh, non-fungible. But yeah. Uh, these are non-fungible, which means that they are absolutely unique. Yeah, exactly. And so, and so, you know, already we're talking to a rather uh, niche market, but it is one that is growing. That's very, very young. I mean, the whole world of these NFTs and digital collectibles is really only about three years old now. It started in late mm -hmm. 2017, mid 2017, with the advent of uh, something called the ERC721 token built on top of the Ethereum blockchain. And one thing that people might have heard of that was happening around that time was um, was a was a was a was a was a, a collectible sort of trading game called Crypto Kitties, where people were buying and selling cats. Each cat was unique, and each cat could breed with the cats to create new unique cats. And it was kind of like Tamagotchi, if you ever remember that on the blockchain. But each cat was unique, and there was this whole 
world of experimentation of this of these digital asset tokens that represent the uniqueness of these things and that kind of blew that blew up blew up quite amazingly and we saw some cats selling for you know quarter of a million dollars yes um, and, and, and just you know for scope like the the, the folks that created crypto kitties raised tens of millions of dollars subsequently i mean and from the biggest vcs in the world from union square ventures uh fred wilson to anderson, uh, horowitz. Uh, anderson horowitz i mean you know just so people understand a little digital cat even though that also doesn't really excite me the concept that you can create inherent and absolute digital scarcity totally. and you can take something which is now digital you can't touch it but it cannot be replicated and, and, and I, I, it's hard to emphasize this point enough. Like up until three years ago, when that was that 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 ERC token was created, that didn't exist. Yep. There was no such thing as digital scarcity. You, you every, I mean, quite the opposite. The the biggest problem we have on the internet is that, or, or one of the biggest problems, is that anything that exists in digital form can be replicated. And so. This was a, a, a really, really important innovation all in and of itself. The ability to create true digital scarcity was in and of itself a monumental revolution. Like, totally. Boom, and, revolution. And, and it was, it absolutely is. And it's only just beginning. And, you know, you're right in the, everything previous to this was, if, if there was such a thing as digital scarcity, it was only ever artificially enforced in a centralized exactly. kind of through laws, system. Through laws. Right, exactly, exactly. And here we have, you know, truly programmatic. this decentralized programmable digital scarcity. Yeah. Exactly. Which is which is super, super cool. And so that's obviously, it was around about that time in early 20, 2018, like I discussed, that we were looking at this as a group of entrepreneurs and we were just like, this is just too awesome. Um, uh, and so, you know, and that, hence where we are now. But we, we've seen some really interesting uh, activity on our, on our platform already. I mean, we're, we're still obviously fairly young, but we've had, we've had a lot of interesting experiences as well because obviously a lot of our creators on Cryptograph are fairly high-profile individuals. I mean, we've had Paris Hilton create Cryptographs, uh, Vitalik Buterin, Seth Green, Ashton Kutcher. You know, these are, these are mainstream um, names that, that people know yeah. and, and that have, you know, global fame behind them. And so that's been very interesting in, in kind of, sort of putting this concept and this idea out into the, into the world of people who haven't even heard of cryptocurrency. Um, may have heard of Bitcoin, but that's probably about it. Um, and uh, that's been very interesting to see. Um, but uh, definitely amongst our, the kind of early adopting community that, we, that we've alluded to, we've seen, as, as Ed said, some really interesting behavior. Like with Vitalik's, which was the first piece to ever go out, we saw people sort of coming in and being like, placing a bid, placing a bid. And then people, you could see people begin to realize, hang on a minute, like, wait, I just wait, made money. Wait, I bid me and I got yeah. more money back than I bid. Wait, exactly. And it, went, and, it, and it went to kind of like 10, 10F with this kind of like four or five bids of people kind of like, what's going on here? And then some guy came in it with like 50F. They, just like, they were like, hey, I get this now. Like, it's worth a ton. I'm going straight in with this huge bid because I'm going to maximize my incentive. And um, so we've, we've seen that, you know, live happening on the system. And it's been very interesting to see that learning curve in people and just the behavior that you can track. And um, Vitalik yeah. Buterin, by the way, for those who don't know, is, uh, let's, you know, let's say, arguably one of the creators of Ethereum, yeah. um, uh, sort of the pro, uh, uh, what is the word, pro, 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 uh, 
uh, prodigal. Yeah, yeah prodigal. The, the prodigal. The prodigal uh, uh, he's, he, he, leader, he's, the prodigal leader of, of the Ethereum community. Yeah, yeah, he is, he's, uh, you know, he's the guy that, that put out, put out the white paper back when he was, I don't know what, like 19 now. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 yeah. Is this a good time to ask, um, why Ethereum, why not Bitcoin? What's the difference? Can this be replicated with any cryptocurrency? So, yeah, it was again. It's it's always a good time, Ed, Ed said. I think. Um, uh, the it can't be replicated. No, like once you, once you created that unique token on the Ethereum blockchain, that's the token of ownership. That's where it exists. No, I mean, can your entire system and concept be used on other chains? So that is something that we're very much looking at in the in the near future, especially because right now on the Ethereum network, um, which is still not it's in the process of trying to scale but it's still not at scale yet by any means um is facing these this gas price inflation because the demand to use the chain is growing exponentially um particularly because of this what we would call DeFi, decentralized finance kind of boom of innovation that's happening right now it's causing a huge amount of transactional demand and um uh, there's a lot of other sort of what we call layer two solutions or blockchains out there that are working to try and create layers where a lot of that transactional throughput and demand can happen sort of on a side chain or off chain in some way, but the actual record of what happens happens on chain on, on the Ethereum blockchain as a way to try and create the utility and the throughput that you need to scale without having to use the current basis infrastructure of, of Ethereum because that's getting expensive. Um, now, when it comes to why we started this on Ethereum and not others, there are a variety of reasons. Um, one key one being that the development infrastructure and interface of Ethereum is very friendly. And there's a lot more that you can do on Ethereum with programmable logic and complex, uh, uh, complex logic, really, that you can't do on things like Bitcoin. Like uh, the smart contract layer of Bitcoin is, is, is that's not what it, because that's not really what it was designed for, is not, is not the same to what you can do on Ethereum. And because of our auction system being really quite complex in terms of its logic, in terms of the trading rules, in terms of many of the other sort of rules that we've programmed into the cryptograph system, we needed that, 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 that network that we could build that layer, level of complexity on. And Ethereum provided that. Um, the other thing that Ethereum provided is, is, it, is it is a very early, it was the, it's the first mover in that space of this kind of programmable complexity that allows you to do. And with that comes a lot of liquidity, a very big development network, a lot of users compared to yeah. others. And those, you know, it has those network effects for that use case. And that's something that we want to be a part of and tap into. Um, and um, there are a few other reasons as well, but those are really the two core ones as to why, as to why Ethereum. But it cannot uh, be replicated on another system by somebody else because it's been patented. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, so the, so the auction system and the, and all of the, 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 the proprietary stuff within that is, is indeed, uh, 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 so um, it sounds brilliant. Like you've done tremendous work on it. Um, now maybe this is too many steps away, but I, this sounds like such a game changer for digital assets. What about tangible assets? Do you see this ever either fully being applied or 
changing the mechanics or structure currently traditional for the English auction system for tangible assets? Uh, this is a, that, this is a deep rabbit hole. This yeah. is a deep yeah, rabbit this hole. Is, this is it. But, but basically, the short answer would be yes. Because what really, the, what really matters is what is the bridge between the physical world and the digital world? And if that can be solved or there can be a trusted party to say, yes, this token represents this painting, for example. Right? Okay. And, you, and you can know for sure that this is a right, this is a correct painting. Yeah. Because sure, you can't, you can't forge the token, you can't steal the token, but what if you forge the painting and whatever is the thing that identifies the painting in the token, exactly. you forge it too, right? So this, it, 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 once, you're in the, once you're in the digital world, with blockchain, you're safe and you have math, very complex mathematics and cryptography that ensures that, what, that you're not going to get stolen or, not, or, or, not, or nothing's going to be forged. But the bridge between the physical and the digital is where there's work to be done. But if something that's trustworthy enough as a solution can be built, then you can bring the same kind of auction mechanism in the real world. Like imagine you actually you're on, 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 the, uh, on Christie's and you use them to buy a painting. Or even you're in a room and you have your app and everyone is bidding on this because you trust this app to run the auction. They, yeah. Well, as soon as you get here, on the physical world, you need to trust a party or a system, a bridge between the physical and the digital. Yeah, there's two variables that really matter. It's trust and ownership, right? So you need provable trust, provable ownership. And so uh, taking a physical uh, object, um, physical asset, and um, you know, ultimately making it, uh, giving it a digital proxy, um, you need to create provable trust that the object that's represented in the digital proxy uh, or token as, as you, uh, as it may be. Um, uh, so this is, this is the whole world of, of um, uh, what do they call it? What, what are those tokens called that represent a, a physical asset? Non, Non-fungible. Yeah, the, the um, NFT technologies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so basically creating an NFT, a, a non-fungible token that represents a share or an entire physical object. Um, uh, you need to be able to prove ownership and be able to prove transfer of ownership of the physical object itself. And then you need um, uh, provable ownership. So, um, you know, in the example Edward gave with the Christie's, of course, you trust, you trust Christie's that they've done their due diligence to make sure that this is a legitimate painting that is what it, they say it is. And then you are trusting Christie's to provide that uh, transfer of deed or transfer of ownership uh, from one party to the other. Um, and as much as you think you can trust Christie's, um, you know, the reality is as we move forward in, in, in the world we're in, um, trust is going to become ever more scarce. And so um, this provable trust, this digitally provable trust is, is something that is absolutely critical. And this is really the big frontier. I mean, this is the future of finance, is, is the ability to tokenize real assets and further distribute the ownership because physical assets are highly centralized today. Um, and so this applies to domain names, even though a domain is actually a digital asset. The only reason we can't auction a domain name on cryptograph right now today is because 
the domain name system um, under ICANN is relatively centralized. There's some degree of decentralization, but it's primarily centralized under ICANN. And um, there's no currently available system to say, okay, I've locked up my, I'm a bidder. I've locked up my bid on the platform. And the asset, uh, let's say the token that I'm bidding for uh, is locked on the blockchain, right? So money's on the blockchain, asset token is on the blockchain, but the domain name itself is living at a registrar somewhere and it still requires somebody to go in and then transfer it from one party to the other. And so um, there's, there's that bridge needed as Edouard was alluding to. What, what I think is really exciting from my perspective and why I think that, the, uh, uh, why, partly why I wanted to bring you guys on Domain Sherpa and why I think the domain community will have maybe an even better understanding of, of, of the potential here and, and, um, uh, than, than others may is that um, uh, the, the concept of a domain registrar is, is quite interesting. And I think that it, it is the future of all of these NFTs. So, you know, in my mind, so if we go back in history, the, the foundation of the entire economic and financial system that we operate with in the Western world, um, the, the foundation of it is a trust company, right? So you have a trust company, it's actually a New York trust company. So a New York trust company, um, you know, basically takes reserve assets, holds them in reserve, and it is exactly what we're talking about. It is a trust company, right? Like through mountains of regulations and laws, you can, as the average citizen or as an investor or whatever, trust that the underlying reserve asset is being held in trust by a trust company. And then once that is established, you can then create derivative products on the reserve assets. And that's ultimately what, you know, the US dollar is, right? And ultimately what the US dollar was, right? It was, you had uh, gold sitting in a vault and then because that the value of that gold was, you know, known, you could then, and, and its, its, its existence was known and trusted, then you could then create derivative products on top of the value of the gold, which then could make the gold more readily, be, readily usable, tradable, exchangeable, you know, whatever. We don't need to go into the history of money. But the, but the point is, is that, the existence of a trust company is what gave birth to the free market capitalist system that we have today. Um, from an economic and a financial standpoint, it all comes down to reserve assets and their ability to be trusted. They're trusted in their existence, trusted in their ownership, and trusted in their ability to transfer that ownership from one party to another. And then that is what gives birth to the, you know, bazillion X bubble of derivative products that was created on top of it. And the entire economy that we live with today, it's all built on, you know, the building that all of us are in, the buildings that, that, that each, each of us are in, you know, the, the title to that building is held in a central registry, which in essence, you know, today is, is a government central, you know, central agency, but it could very well be, you know, it, it's just another form of a trust, right? We, although probably not as good. And um, 
So that is where I think, you know, like a domain registrar is ultimately a digital trust company. And uh, I believe that the concept of a digital, uh, uh, of a domain registrar will ultimately be the same for all of these NFTs. You'll have a registrar that acts like a digital trust that holds these things and then allows uh, for the NFT, NFTs to be traded freely on any platform, like CryptoGraph yep. or anywhere else. And so um, that is a very long way of answering your question, Tess, is that <laughs> yes, absolutely unequivocally in the future, physical assets will be able to be traded on CryptoGraph, um, but we need that bridge from the physical world to the digital world. And that's, you know, and there's a lot of people working on that. That is the single, at least in my mind, the single biggest opportunity on earth today, more than energy, more than anything, is the ability to take physical assets, tokenize them, put them securely on a blockchain and allow them to freely trade. You're talking about hundreds of trillions of dollars in value. It's super exciting. I mean, I think we all know we're on the cusp of the world changing bit by bit. And it's folks like the two of you who are really building this and, and creating change. Um, so right now, is digital art the exclusive um, product that is auctioned? I don't know if product is even the right yeah, word. Yeah, yes. So, so, so yeah. The, first, the first kind of issuance of cryptographs that we're putting out there are fairly you know, simplistic in what they are as a, as a, as a medium. They are digital images created by these individuals. Okay, um, what, uh, sorry, was that chosen for a specific reason? Yes. Like, transferability? Because, because, yeah, well, mainly, mainly some of these people that are creating these cryptographs are some of the hardest people in the world to get to and to get them to do things. And so we needed to start with something that would make sense to them, that's easy for them to do, that's, you know, uh, you know, this, this is the first time Paris Hilton's ever created a digital um, collectible. Like, you know, she, she, she drew something on her iPad. This was a new experience for her. And, um, you know, if we asked her to, to, you know, go to a studio, do X, produce that, do, that's a whole nother process, right? Here, yeah. with a very low barrier to entry to get interesting creative content. And yeah. um, so that's why we started here. But the cryptograph vision, and indeed what will be coming further down the line, already working on is not just digital images, but already we have artists, two artists that have launched recently, one guy called Euromiron and one guy called a uh, pseudonym, a guy called, has a pseudonym called A Lot of Money, um, rather funnily. Um, uh, these are two crypto artists who, you know, exist in this, in this burgeoning crypto art scene, which has really just started since, since you know, late 2017, really. And um, they're creating GIFs and, you know, Euromiron created an entire piece of video art that was created in VR um, uh, uh, for his cryptograph. And, uh, you know, we might, we'll have play, uh, cryptographs coming out where people have produced audio files, songs, um, songs mixed with, 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 with video. People who have done 3D designs of, of, of fashion or shoes or, you know, whatever it might be. Okay. Uh, Wait. Yeah. Music? Um, <laughs> yes. Huge. Yeah. It's a big one. Huge it's a big one. Like, brief over bunny bunny overview. Bunny bunny overview. Okay. Um yes. Like can uh, you sell multiple instead of it it maybe that's not non-fungible, um, but can you sell like can this cut out the entire um middleman 
between Go absolutely ahead. yes yes so so i mean let's paint a really quick little picture but imagine you've got a song today right you've got a, a melody maker a beat producer a lyricist a record label and a, and a performer right and these five things come together to produce a piece of work that goes out there that is sold as a as a hit as a hit single right now let's imagine that the beat producer in that stack um creates uh creates a beat creates a new piece of music now imagine that they issue a cryptograph token that represents the ownership of that beat, perhaps. I mean, represents the ownership of that beat, but then perhaps this person says, okay, actually, whoever owns this beat, now you'll start playing with licensing and, and IP. Actually, whoever owns this beat has the commercial rights and the monetization rights of this thing that I produced, for example, mm -hmm. right? And then the beat producer takes, takes that piece of work and he issues it as a, as, a, as a cryptograph. And now it's out there in the global world of trading on this GBM system. And whoever purchases that beat is now the owner of that beat and can monetize that beat in the way that they want. They can use it in their hit single. So essentially as a creator, you create your work, you create your art, you can self-publish it, put it into a price discovery system that will find tr truer, fairer value for your asset and will hard code it into the system, give you a perpetual share of the revenue is this thing. A royalty, a royalty, right? so, in, 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 a, essence, a royalty yeah. in, in, in many ways. So, you know, today, if you're an artist, right, like David Hockney, creates a painting in the 1980s, sells it for 80,000 pounds. It sells a year ago for 103 million pounds. He'll see basically none, none of that, zero. And in this system, I could self-publish my, my digital piece of art here, and I would be guaranteed whatever the original contract was that was signed, the, the, the revenue share of this thing's trade five years from now, 10 years from now, which might be 10. Residual incentive is baked into the system, which is a great segue totally unless you have another question about the music test, but which is a great segue into the secondary market, which right. I think is also super interesting. Yeah. So talk about, talk about how the yeah. secondary market works. Like, so you have this auction, right? It sells for a hundred thousand dollars coming back to the example we used before XYZ.com sold for a hundred thousand dollars. I bid 99. I got a $19,900, $19,900 incentive payment yeah. as a bidder. Uh, test won the auction for a hundred thousand dollars. And now, uh, you know, test decides, you know, uh, sending my kid to college, I'm going to sell this thing. Right. So now so, test so, goes out and sells it, on, you know, puts it on an auction. Yeah. So, so the, way, the way it works in our system on the secondary market is, is, again, all about, like, the truest possible form of price discovery and selling it always for its truest possible market value. And so you, you own it now, Tess, um, and you bought it for, let's say, 100 um, Right now, as you own it, you'll be receiving offers on the secondary market from lots of other people out there in the world. I, I'll buy it from you for 10, I'll buy it from you for 20, or I'll buy it, you know, whatever. And you as the owner can say yes uh, uh, or, or no. But programmed into our system is the ability that you're only able to accept the current highest market offer, right? So if there's someone out there offering you for 10, but there's someone out there offering you for 100, you can't accept the offer for 10. You have to accept the offer for 100, which means that, um, We've also built, built a system that's built on game theory that rules out room for black market dealing, right? Yeah. You can't say, hey, I'll accept the 10 and then let's do, give me a hundred in cash, right? Yes. Because there's someone else out there willing to pay you a hundred and you can only accept the current highest offer. So that's just, yep. another, the, the, and we've been able to do that thanks to programmable money and this smart contract system. But yep. anyway, so, so that's, that's, that's another part of it. But um, you're Fraud getting- Fraud be gone. Yeah, exactly. So you're getting these offers all the time, right? And what's interesting is on this secondary market offering stage, 
people still make the incentive return. So let's say you bought it for 100 and I say, I'll buy it off you for 20. And then someone else comes in and says, I'll buy it off you for 40. I make as the bidder of the 20, I'll still make a return. So there's this kind of gray market offering stage where you can still make returns, which is again, very interesting. Now, let's say someone does put in an offer for 150 and you test say, okay, great. I want to, I want to sell for that. You accept that offer. What then happens is another auction immediately starts, let's say for a period, I mean, in our case, it's 36 hours. And the first bid in that auction is 150. So you as a seller will get at least 150 or more by the end of that auction um, for the asset that you've decided to sell. Um, but the point is, is that a cryptograph is always exchanged via an auction system. It's always exchanged through price discovery because the idea is that it's always going for its choice market value at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how the secondary market uh, uh, operates. And as, a, as a, an owner, you can obviously accept offers, but if you want to signal to the market that you're willing to sell this at a certain price, you create something called an auction trigger that we've, is, you know, that we've created, really. And you'll say, okay, um, my auction trigger is 150. So anybody who submits a bid into the system for 150 for my asset, it will immediately trigger the new auction and lock that capital in as the first bid of this new auction. So that's how the secondary market of cryptograph, the dynamics kind of work. And that's how the secondary market for all of the assets in the future that are going to be sold on our system will, you know, will, will, will continue to, to operate under. Um, yeah. Exciting stuff. That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, we could talk forever. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, yeah. As Andrew said, it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's a good thing. Um, what else should we hit before we go, Drew? Um, you know, I, I think we, you know, we touched on um, most of the stuff that you know got me really excited. I mean, we didn't we didn't talk about my you know journey into becoming an investor in crypto. Oh, that's true. Um, you know. Uh, uh, another one of the partners in, in, in Cryptograph um, uh, is somebody that I met when I was uh, living in Venice Beach for that short stint. And um, uh, uh, anyways, we had um, uh, discussed at length uh, a, a variety of different domain names for a variety of different purposes and got to know each other. And uh, when he got involved here, he had reached out to me and uh, as we were discussing what the project was, I was like, oh my God, I'm so interested in this. Um, and uh, yeah, after speaking with these guys, uh, I, I jumped in head first. It was, yeah. um, it was, a, it you was know, right, it right up my alley. It literally is like, it's like, boom, you know. And uh, it, 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 was, it, was, it was great for us as well because I mean, we've got, we have a few investors who were part of our, you know, our early rounds and some are like, love the idea of digital scarcity and like, uh, you know, this idea of cryptographs, great. Others are like, oh my God, uh, this price discovery system, right? And it's, so investors are investing for different reasons, but the great one yeah. with Andrew, I remember on the first call I had with him, you know, I had a guy on the other side of the phone who's like, I'd spent the last 20 years of my life understanding price discovery systems. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, like, you know, a kindred spirit. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, the, we got off right, right on the, on, on, on the right footing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I'm, you know, look, I'm, I'm very excited. I think it's, uh, it's really cool to see the, you know, early adoption of the system, 
you know, seeing these celebrity cryptographs being sold off and, and people bidding for them and, you know, people getting rewarded for bidding. I mean, you know, just seeing the system work. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate with the, with the Ethereum gas pricing uh, inflation, but, um, you know, we've, you've proven your concept, uh, you know, and uh, I think in the next iteration, um, you know, it obviously just gets stronger. And uh, I'm, you know, obviously, uh, uh, you know, I'm biased to or towards, you know, where, where I want this thing to go. But I am so excited for when we can finally uh, introduce this into the domain market. Because, totally. you know, I, there, there's a, you know, when you're looking at a, a, a digital doodle, it's an ego thing for the most part, right? The people that are bidding, it's, it's about, you know, it's, yeah, there's some social signaling. There's, 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 it's ego, it's ego, it's ego driven. And, um, uh, with domain names, there's an actual utility, right? With domain names, there's a calculable, uh, uh, value. Not that everybody understands that, but it allows for a framework that is just enough to really instigate the game theory, right? Like I, I got into one of the auctions, right? And, and, and Vitalik Uterans and, and I was watching and I was like, you know, I, I don't know what to do because I don't know if this thing is worth a hundred ETH, a thousand ETH, one ETH. I, you know, I have no yeah. clue. I have no bearing. And ultimately that's what the system was built for, right? Is to discover what something like that is worth. Yeah. But I think it gets even more exciting when you get something that's just like has low liquidity, you know, low uh, 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 velocity, but, you know, some degree of framework around how to value it. And that value may differ from person to person, utility to utility, but there's still a, a framework to use that will, will, will instigate that game theory where I can say, okay, I know this domain name is worth at least 50 grand. Like, I know that, you know, without an auction, I can go sell this thing in 24 hours for 50 grand. It'll probably go higher than that. But I know that if I bid 49, I'm not going to win it, but I'm going to get a nice reward, right? And so giving people, like, you know, that little bit of confidence in a value range just exacerbates the competition exacerbates that that game theory around you know the reward system and i think that's where you know it gets really cool and Definitely. really exciting yeah i think i think for sure there's a big you know the gbm system when it hits the domain name market it's going to be exciting times for sure yeah yeah never mind when we take over the entire music royalty market and <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Um, indeed so seriously what do you think domains will be the next asset you introduce and or what do you think is an actual possible time frame for having domains be part of this? So, so uh, uh, over the next six to nine months, particularly expedited since this gas price inflation in theory, um, we're, we're going to be building out layer two of cryptograph that will consist of everything that we need to solve for, for cryptograph to continue over the long run to allow people to bid in other currencies to solve for the gas fee issue. We'll also be creating this essentially this, this white label, fully customizable system that uh, is anyone can use that will have our small uh, fee structure encoded into it. And um, that price discovery system will 
which will have a variety of price discovery systems actually on it that you can utilize. Uh, that will be, uh, including our proprietary GBM one, that will be somewhere that we will see many assets traded, whether it's a, whether it's a DeFi ERC20 token or whether it's a, a domain name or whether it's a, a, a unique 3D design made by some guy in the, you know, from somewhere, whatever it's going to be, they can essentially come here and they can be like, right, I need to find liquidity for my fairly illiquid or unique asset. I'm going to create my own, my own um, uh, uh, discovery uh, mechanic. I'm going to click go and then I'm going to share my link with everyone. It's going to be out there on the marketplace and anyone can come in and participate. Yeah, there, there's, this, there's this car auction platform called bringatrailer.com. Bringatrailer.com. And it's just amazing. It, it literally could not be more simplistic. It's like the most basic, simplistic auction system ever. But there is nobody that has the volume and like quality of, of classic cars. I mean, they have everything. They have motorcycles. They've got, you know, junk cars. I mean, that, that was how it started. It was bring a trailer. It was like, look, I had a piece of crap in my garage. It doesn't even run. Bid for it. Buy it. Bring a trailer so you can, you know, tow it away. Take it away, yeah. But now, now it's developed into, you know, you've got the world's most valuable cars being sold every single day on there and it is so much fun and it's really it's a, such a simple system and I literally I'm on there every single day and um you know it I just I every day I think about it like oh my god imagine if this was incentivized imagine if I could bid on that v12 after Martin and I know I'm not gonna win it but at least I win something right yeah, uh yeah. I mean it just it it's so exciting, not just because, oh, wow, I'm going to get this incentivized ability to bid, but it's like, oh, my God, we're really going to discover what are these things actually work. Yeah, yeah. You know? We're going to actually take all these, these, these nascent asset classes that have such low exposure and a high barrier to entry, and suddenly you're going to exponentially increase the pool of participants in these markets. And oh man, it's, it's I really I, I get I, I honestly I'm so I'm so excited about like the evolution of this thing. I really yeah. am. Yeah, and it's gonna be it's yeah it's it's gonna be definitely an exciting. Don't disappoint me. <laughs> we would. <laughs> I have a question. Um, when should we follow up? I feel like I could talk to you every day forever and learn something new. Um, but when, truly, when when do you think? will be a new, that we're in the next phase, that- um, Six, that six to nine months. No? Yeah, six, six, six to nine months, we'll, we'll let uh, Cryptograph 2.0 will be out there. Um, uh, there's a couple of lower layer technologies that are still in development that we will need for, to, to, to complete that vision, but um, they're, they're coming on well and we're, we're confident in their ability to deliver. So yeah, we're working on a six to nine month, six to nine month timeline to release that, that 2.0. In the interim, of course, there'll be many more cryptographs coming to market as and when, um, you know, there, there are viable moments to sell during gas price fluctuations. And um, there'll be There's even increasing- There's a cool one coming up that I want to bid for. The, uh, the, the one, I think the guy's name was Alec. Alec He's Monopoly. Mr. Monopoly. Yeah, his is, his, is, his is currently on auction, I think. Is yeah. it live now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's 17 hours left. Well, well, how, hours what's left. it at? What's it at? It's at, it's at 5.5F. Okay, I, I, that, that one's really cool. And he's like a really known graffiti artist. Yeah, he's, he's made this digital wand and it's got his classic Mr. Monopoly at the center of it. 
And uh, I, I just, you know, I, 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 I trust my instincts on things. Uh, as you guys know, I, I don't really do a lot of due diligence. I just, if, I, if my instincts said go, I go. So I, for whatever reason, man, I, I got slightly excited about, you know, Vitalik's because it's Vitalik. Um, and so there will always be a market for it. There will always be demand. And yeah. probably the price will always go up. Uh, but that one is cool. And is I cool. think it's, no matter what it sells for, I think it'll be undervalued. I think yeah. that is one which will be um, significantly worth more. Well, yeah. 17, no, 17 hours left. Um, so, uh, yeah, go, 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 go get in there. We have even, cool, even cooler things coming in we the do. Okay. The, next, the, next, the next two coming after the, the next two coming after these two is, is pretty cool. Um, anyway, there's, yeah, we, so we've got artists coming out. We've got a whole array of musicians coming out that have done artworks. They haven't, not music, but done artworks. Music's coming a little later. And um, then uh, there's, uh, there are other stars from around the world. Obviously, you know, fame is a regional thing. It's not just um, uh, existing on the West Coast of the USA. What? Let's track down Martin Skelly. Let's, try, let's track down uh, Martin Skelly, good. you know, the, 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 the pharmaceutical uh, 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 Satan. And, yes, exactly. uh, you know, he's the guy, he bought the Wu-Tang, when Wu-Tang issued Wu -Tang, that one, one Wu -Tang album, album yeah. they produced one album. Uh, they, they produced an entire album, and they just sold one copy to the highest bidder. I think he sold for $2 million. And uh, Martin Scully bought it for $2 million bucks just prior to going to jail. And, um, uh, uh, I mean, man, that would be cool to auction off. Is like, And that, that's... That could be done now, right? Because it, it, it is, it could be, I, I, I presume, is that, could that, that well, could be I mean, put on I mean, a blockchain? Yeah, the yeah. Well, you would have to be, at this stage, it would need to be a digital asset. Like, I mean, we have, we have place, we have but that could assets. Be, that could be done, like, pretty easily. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, in our case, though, with cryptographs, because we really are all about the one of one, where people have created something physical, like in Ashton Kutcher's case, he creates the physical uh, sketch. Yeah we destroy the physical original. So it's yeah, yeah, totally. the only existence of this thing is in the digital domain. So that's what I'm saying is yeah. you take the CD, you digitize it. I mean, it's already digital, right? It was digital yeah. when it got put on the CD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. you just burn the CD and then boom, that's it. It lives on the blockchain, one it's, copy. It's, it's true. It's true. Yeah. And that would trade for way more than 2 million today. Way more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Will you just tell me for a minute what it's like on a conversation um, with someone you want to bring in to auction an asset what totally. what are the i mean totally. i can't i, I feel like the yeah, objections it's, to it's, overcome must be so enormous who do you target how do you choose them and how do you progress how long does it take to negotiate or educate yeah well, the guy tommy that brought me into this deal uh is kind of the guy he, he's got exactly. all these relationships yeah so tommy tommy's definitely our partner that does a lot of that that work for us and does it very well but, um, you know, on avenues that don't involve Tommy, there are other avenues to, to talent and creators. Mm -hmm. I mean, all we're really doing 24-7, like we're doing here, is education. Like, that's pretty much the first, the first thing is education, education. Yes. And, you know, it's usually good to start with, like, before this technology, you couldn't have something scarce on the internet. You couldn't create that yeah. kind of value. With this technology now, you can create this kind of value. And people kind of go, interesting. And then you yep. talk about blockchain. Some people, you mention the word blockchain and they run to the hills. They're like, I don't even have an iPhone. Like, don't talk to me. 
other people are like, wow, this is really cool. And so, you know, you've got to play, you've got to play off whatever the cues and the understanding and the level of knowledge that this person has and the level of curiosity. But curiosity is where it all really starts. Like that's, that's, that's where you begin. And, um, and then you just slowly build up layers. Okay, digital scarcity. Now imagine with digital scarcity, these new kind of business models that you can create. Now imagine that these business models are more liquid and you can program rules. And, you know, and then you slowly get to the end of it and they're like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And, and, and the really intrinsic part of cryptograph specifically is this philanthropy element, right? So every cryptograph is forever raising money for the cause that the creator cares yeah. about. So, uh, you know, for a creator in many ways who, who don't necessarily need more money, um, uh, uh, but they want to do good, this is a whole new way for, their, for them to be able to monetize their talent and, and, their, and their profile as a way of doing good forever. You, you can't destroy it. It's, it's a perpetual in theory, Yeah, in, in theory, it's creating a sustainable income source for totally. whatever cause it's been attributed to. Exactly. So it's almost like a new passive fundraising tool totally. for, 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 for charities and foundations out there. And that's a big draw for a lot of our creators. They're really, they really, they're really into that. And, and so that's almost kind of where they start. And then when they see that succeed, they think, wow, actually, this is a whole new way actually for me to monetize my own stuff as well. Like, you know, and if I'm always doing good with what I'm doing, that's, that's a really nice added bonus. And so mm -hmm. as, as kind of what Andrew was saying before, we it's baking all of these kind of layers into this system. And um, that, 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 that appeals to a lot of talent. Um, secondary market revenues that are enshrined and are always going to be received by me, they, they're really interesting. They're really interested in because usually they get screwed out of a lot of that. By a lot of the yeah, there's no breach of contract. There's no yeah. people, you know, changing their mind or backing yeah. out on what they said or not yeah. doing what they said they were going to do or, yeah. you know, just there's no screwing somebody, which is, you know, unfortunately yeah. the reality in the world. This is yeah. just baked in. It's mapped. It's on a blockchain. That's it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, that, and, that, and that, doesn't, that does appeal to them. And it's also like with anything, you know, you start with one network and then it grows, right? You, you get five or six people to, to do it and try it and see if it's success. And then that turns into 10, 20, 30. And, you know, the, 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 the network system of circles and networks grows. And so, yeah, the road, getting the ball rolling to start with for us was a, was a long road. It took time. It was, you know, a lot of, a lot of hustling, really. That's what entrepreneurs do. It's a lot of knocking on doors, a lot of trying to, to get people to listen, et cetera, et cetera. And then eventually, you know, the doors and the dominoes begin to fall and um, the snowball starts moving. And, you know, we're now at a stage where, where it is now moving. And that's really, you know, gratifying to see. And, um, uh, you know, more new, new creators of different kinds from different worlds coming on, coming on board every day. So, yeah, it's getting very exciting. Super, Go super Team Cryptograph. Amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go Team Cryptograph. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you for taking so much time uh, for dumbing it down for us. Um, and mostly just for what you're doing all across the board is just phenomenal. Really, really exciting. Um, please keep in touch. Um, I'm sure Andrew will keep you on your toes. And I can't wait to see someday somewhere where um, there's a domain auction on Cryptograph. Um, kudos to you. Coming soon. Totally, yeah. exactly, exactly. Well, thank you very much for having us, Tess. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, uh, yeah, right. we'll, we'll of course stay in touch. And um, again, looking for that David Domains or on Cryptograph, absolutely. 
Super totally. cool. Good, good to see you guys. Good to catch up. Great chat. See you, Andrew. And uh, yeah, keep it up. Very exciting mm -hmm. stuff. Right. Thank you, guys.